Hello and happy Tuesday, my friends. I'm Amy Lee San Juan, and I'd like to welcome you back to another informative episode of Cisco Champion Radio, where we provide insights and visibility into products, solutions across the Cisco portfolio, and trending topics across our industry. If you like our podcast, please follow us and feel free to share your favorite episodes with your colleagues and friends. And if you have any thoughts or comments on what we should cover in a future episode, let us know. Talk with us on Twitter at, at Cisco Champion. And just a heads up, before we get into our scheduled programming, the Cisco Insider Champion program is now accepting applications through February. So if you are interested in becoming a member um, and interested in joining this amazing community, apply today. You can find the link in the show notes below. Okay. So today we are going to do some myth busting, particularly around AI ops. We're also going to talk about how Cisco DNA Center can help you achieve visibility, gain detailed insights, and make troubleshooting more efficient. Uh, we have our champions here to guide the conversation and two of our best experts to share their knowledge. So we are going to get started with introductions. So I'm going to start with Mir. Who are you, my friend? What have you been up to? Absolutely. Thank you, Emily. Uh, it's always a pleasure to co-host podcasts with you. It's, it's always fun. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, this is me, Rosemi Rosemi. I have been in kind of a networking world and fascinated by Cisco technology since 2007, um, quite a long time. Uh, in my current role, um, I am VP Cloud Security Engineering within the Cloud Security Agile Squad within Morgan Stanley, the firm. And very, very pleased to be with you guys. Pleased to have you. All right, Michael, who are you? Yes, hello, and Mike Whitty. Um, I work for Worldwide Technology for about the last 13 years now, um, mainly focused on data center uh, infrastructure. But um, over the last, I'd say, two to three years, I've really gotten into, um, you know, Nexus dashboard and a lot of visibility and AI ops type um, infrastructure. So that's kind of been my focus for the last three years, I'd say. Awesome. Sebrin, you're up next. What do you do? <laughs> what I do? Well, my name is Sebrin Bergerkamp. Uh, I'm owner of, uh, of my own company called Three Corners, and I'm located in the Netherlands. And we as a company primarily focus on uh, the Cisco collaboration portfolio and, uh, and WebEx. And because we are top of top of stack uh, as an application suite, we to know almost everything beneath our network infrastructures in terms of Wi-Fi, uh, firewalls, uh, networking, internet. So very keen to 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 learn about AI ops and how it can help us out to combine all those infrastructure components in helping us delivering the best experience possible. All right, we're all going to learn here. We're going to learn from Boovy and Secrete. So thank you for joining us today. Um, can you tell us who you are and what you do at Cisco? I can go first. I'm Boovy, Boovy Chopra. I'm a product manager on DNA Center team, leading assurance and AI analytics. I've been with Cisco for four years. So I've been looking into the fun that's happening here and happy to share most of it. Secrete? Hey, thanks, Boovy. Uh, nice to meet you, champs. I've never been in the company of champs, actually, so it's it's quite a humbling time. Emily, thank you for, for inviting me. So I'm Sukrit. I'm the Director of Engineering for uh, DNA Center Machine Learning Applications and the AI Cloud Platform. 
got into Cisco around about 15 years now, Mir. So we sort of started our Cisco journey almost at the same time. Um, and, and today we'll be talking about a few things. The, the plan really is to bust some AI ops myths and get everyone started on the, the power user journey using the DNS center. Very high level introduction, the official sort of Gartner definition for AI ops is combining big data and machine learning to sort of automate IT processes, you know, even correlation, detection. And this is sort of applicable to both NetOps, SecOps, you know, applied to data center, wireless wire. This is sort of applicable everywhere. And so before I kick off this, this whole discussion on, on, on the myths, uh, this is a really growing area. You know, it's it started to take off as data has become uh, cheaper to store, cheaper to compute on. So, you know, this thing is, is, is you know, a long journey is ahead of us. And um, starting off with the myths, I'll, I'll pick the first myth and, and then we can kick off the discussion. Very popular myth is AI will completely replace humans. And especially in the context of networking, everything will be automated by AI alone. So that's a myth. And I let Seaburn and and Bhuvi sort of battle it out a bit. You're, you're mentioning as a myth. Um, I'm also representing quite a, a large uh, team of engineers, who of course helping out customers uh, troubleshooting their voice or video and all that kind of quality issues. Um, do they need to uh, look into that job role and and look for others other jobs because AI will kick in and take over? And that's a beautiful question. That is the most asked question, that, and I agree with Sakrit on that. And I was recently reading an article by John Burke in networkworld.com where he summarized it beautifully. So he says uh, the way AI will help customers, not replace them, will help would be in three buckets, right? So number one, think of admins who are already experts in the area. They're Cisco certified and they're just looking to find and troubleshoot the problem quicker and faster. Equal volume to the skill sets um, or tools that DNA Center would offer them would be proactively finding an issue, say our site analytics, or having dynamic baselinings that we have in AI analytics. So we are just helping, DNA Center is helping the admin find the problem faster and quicker. The second category, the way AI would help admins would be to improve their skill sets. These would be admins who are actually looking at getting a certification, right, and kind of growing in a particular domain. So think of DNA Center offering them machine reasoning engine, right? And an algorithm to troubleshoot an issue which has already occurred in the network. And the third, the way AI would help, would definitely be, um, there would be network admins who aren't really looking at growing into a particular niche, right? They don't want to get an expertise in a specific domain, but they want to be able to manage the network. So what, in that sense, DNA would offer would be our issue dashboard, notification, our health scores that we would proactively, as well as reactively provide you that visibility into troubleshooting. But long story short, no, AI wouldn't really replace. It would assist the admins to do their work. Makes sense. Yeah, I think uh, you pretty much nailed it, Bowie. Uh, so I have a question that uh, it might sound a little bit um, silly, but uh, I'll, I'll just... Uh, at the risk of being silly, I will go ahead and ask it. You know, these days there is a huge hype and uh, being, you know, AI is a top, top trend. You know, we have chat, chat GPT going around and everybody's talking about AI. Now, uh, my question is, what is the, the exact practicality 
when it comes to the Cisco approach towards uh, uh, AI ops, what is the exact benefit that I can get? Just imagine that we are talking to to the general population that they really don't know about. They just want to consume uh, the Cisco um, strategy, the Cisco products when it comes with AI ops. What exactly I will get? I mean, if you can give me a practical example end to end, like let's say anomaly detection, machine learning. I mean, as long as it's not confidential, of course. Yeah. So here, Mira, very good question. Um, the DNA Center has been shipping very core machine learning technologies for about five years now, and you mentioned some of those keywords, uh, anomaly detection. So. One of the things that started shipping probably mid of 2019, almost early 2019, was dynamic baselining of wireless networking KPIs. How much you know time does uh, an average device take to onboard to your network? Is it different for different parts of your network? Um, and and that is actually using anomaly detection technologies to first you know figure out if something is wrong, but even before that is is generating baselines of performance. Um, so right now, if you were to enable it on your DNS center, you would actually see how different buildings offer different sort of onboarding times, DHCP times, authentication times, and if there, there you know, there are deviations, these algorithms kick in and actually tell you that this is anomalous. You typically have, you know, baseline of X, but over the last, you know, two hours, that thing is spiking, and here is where it's spiking. Here are the reasons why it's spiking. So this is functional right now. Um, on the DNS center, we also have something called AP advisories, which we started shipping last year, which look at long term data in your network and tell you areas of your network wireless network where clients are consistently facing problems and why they are facing problems. So, these are, you know, just a very high level example. Uh, a site analytics feature is also coming out uh, in, you know, in a very close release, which will allow you to just do things proactively and see where sites are behaving differently or the the SLA for sites are going down. Bovi, you can probably add more there. Yeah. And and just to throw in an example, right? A lot of admins come around and one of the favorite problem is the parameter APs. APs that are located in say the parking lots, which behave differently from the APs that are there in the building. Now the health score for these APs is different, right? An, an issue which would be normal for an AP in a building does not apply to an AP in a parking lot. So that's where our dynamic baselining kicks in, right? It defines the new normal for that AP. Where the AP anomalies kick in is for that AP based on the dynamic baselining that we have, what is unusual? So that you don't get false positive. You actually get issues that you want to troubleshoot because time is of the essence. And, and same, I'm still going to play on the parameter AP or the parking lot AP and say site analytics then allows you to set KPIs for these APs and kind of monitor them, right? So they would have different threshold level for these APs, right? The KPIs could be onboarding, roaming, connectivity. So which provides you a more proactive troubleshooting approach than reactive. You know, one of the things that I, I really think is is nice is it gives you a a faster, what I call mean time to innocence, right? So, you know, we, we as network engineers, right? We're typically the first people that get blamed, right? For an issue when it could, you know, like you said, be a DHCP, DHCP server, right? Uh, slow to query, right? So, you know, we, I can't get onto the network, right? Well, it's, it's, it's a DHCP issue that you're not getting an IP address. You're actually on the network, but you have a 169 address, right? So, um, you know, the, the 
the magic of being able to say, hey, it's not the network. To, to Michael's point, and just a quick joke, you know, I, I used to have a T-shirt when I went to, to it was like, it was written, it was, it's not a network issue. And I think uh, yeah. that can be a very good use case for, for AI. You DNS, know? yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that is a very good point, Mir, because with the advent of big data, you can now collect, store, analyze so much of information that it's really, you know, our, our our goal is to provide that not only mean time to innocence, but also mean time to, you know, point fingers to the right problem, right? So, uh, you know, th all this was very hard to do even seven, eight years ago, but now you're, you're tracking hundreds of thousands of DHCP servers at the same time. Every single request is tracked. The time yeah. is tracked. The, the, you know, the whole... Uh, sort of exchange of packets is tracked. So this is what is, you know, the result of that, that you can track so much more and give visibility on so much more. Let's talk a bit about the big data and machine learning. Um, yeah. With big data and all the machine learning, you need a lot of data, uh, meaning not just data from your own network, but potentially also uh, data from all other companies' networks. Um, how does that work? How do I make sure that my data get not read, read, read by others? Or uh, tell me a bit about tell me a bit more about that one. Yeah, Severin. So you know th this is actually foremost on you know or, or on our minds. Data privacy to me sort of trumps everything else in terms of concern. You know we we really go above and beyond trying to make sure that data privacy is intact. Uh, specific to the DNS center, uh, any telemetry information that we take out of the DNS center and to the machine learning cloud, we encrypt it using AES encryption and all the PII information. So IP addresses, MAC addresses, usernames, hostname, everything is encrypted and the key stays back on the customer's premise. So all the information that we get essentially is a hash of, it's a unique hash, but it's a hash. And what we saw is, it doesn't really matter if it's uh, 1.1.1.1 or a unique mapping to A, B, C, D, X, Y, Z, right? So your data, you know, we, we, we do have it in our cloud, but all the PII, we never get to know about it. So that's one aspect. Your PII is, is uh, sort of sanitized there. The other thing is your data never ends up being shown to another customer because the whole you know, certificate processes involved. We might use the telemetry to build ML models, but the data never leaks so that, uh, you know, there is any loss of privacy at any point. Again, this is a very unique solution we have because DNA Center is a hybrid product, sits on the uh, on the on-prem, but the data resides in the cloud for machine learning. But this sort of, uh, you know, energy is put to maintaining the privacy for every customer. And, and just to add to what Sukhrit mentioned, right, we take the information at a very aggregated level and the benefit that comes out of it is phenomenal. Not only are we helping you find the problem faster, better, in a more re proactive and reactive way, like we mentioned, with dynamic baselining, AP anomaly, site analytics. We also have a feature called peer-to-peer -peer comparison. So at a very aggregated level, we're taking your industry and kind of comparing your best practices with other best practices. And obviously, you don't know who those companies are, but they actually are at an aggregated level. So that actually gives you visibility into what's happening, what's going on in the industry, how you can incorporate those best practices within your network. Actually, very interesting that you're, you're kind of 
integrating other people's data and giving uh, best practices baseline actually and, and you know this is just the beginning because um, if you think about the potential use cases that are out there we're starting to get a lot of telemetry from catalyst switches and mm -hmm. if you take an example of telemetry that comes out of it if we can learn that a certain behavior is starting to show up in our data lake can other customers who are starting to upgrade their switches or are trying to roll out new applications can we let them know that you know what if your you know if your switch reaches a certain stage with respect to the applications of the clients you might be facing this sort of a problem and you might need mm -hmm. this sort of config so it just amplifies that value that we can get from cross customer sort of information exchange so as far as ai ops is concerned this is in cisco world i just want to be correct me if i'm wrong guys but i just want to be clear for the audience that we are not just talking about the cisco dna center we have probably we probably i'm i'm just thinking cisco cognitive intelligence or um app dynamics or mm -hmm. even cisco meraki system managers they they have at the core uh, they are basically AI enabled, right? So my question to you guys is how Cisco DNS Center as a kind of a crown jewelry of uh, Cisco AOPS world interact with Cisco Meraki uh, system engineers or cognitive intelligence behind the scene? Yeah, I mean, very good point. Actually, Cisco has many, many teams that are working on uh, AI and machine learning. So mm -hmm. one of the you know products that is about to be rolled out very soon is Thousand Eyes WAN Insights. Yeah where you know there's a lot of uh, sd wan relevant uh, ai intelligence that is going to be available to the customer on how the traffic paths are behaving where the different you know good quality and bad quality of traffic uh, experience lies so you're absolutely right there are many many teams who are working uh, in the ai space the dna center you know it's a network controller you know one of its kind so a lot of interaction goes on within these teams. So we do have the Thousand Eyes sort of offering on the DNS Center as well. And there are separate teams in Cisco who are working either on their own product or integration with DNS. So this is a journey. It really is. There are, there are many sort of synergies around uh, how do we exchange data? How do we understand process data? It's, it's, it's really a much bigger sort of effort um, across teams to share this sort of knowledge and, and expertise. Of course, they're all you know, there's specific domains where we can't always intersect at the beginning. So, for example, data center versus mm -hmm. say, wireless in, in a campus. If you think about it, there is a correlation too. If there's some application coming out of the data center yeah. uh, and your wireless network is not really able to keep up, is there some sort of a... So, it's is a lot of, you know, cross... Uh, pollination of ideas that are taking place, a lot of interdependencies that are there between all our teams in Cisco. And what makes Cisco unique is we have a solution in most of our domains, right? We have collaboration yeah. solutions, so WebEx, right? We've got Thousand Eyes, which gives you internet insights. Now, how DNA Center leverages other AI information, right? How do we work and cross-pollinate is DNA Center, for example, has an integration with WebEx per client where you open a client 360, which is this page dedicated to a specific client, and you have a tab called WebEx. You can monitor the audio, video, and sharing quality, which has actually been captured by WebEx AI, right? The intelligent capture just to understand what's happening in their network, and that's integrating with DNA Center. Similarly, with Thousand Eyes, we have integrations, which allows you at a device level 
to see what's happening and kind of see where exactly the issue occurred, the famous path trace where you can actually see where the problem occurred on a node. So this is how we are cross-pollinating and sharing our AI domain knowledge with each other and trying to just build a bigger AI. And Cisco is yeah. uniquely positioned for that. So, so I think I think we're all in agreement that uh, AI can provide a tremendous amount of visibility, reduce the mean time to repair, um, you know, and and really, you know, allow customers to to fix things a lot quicker. The biggest question that I get is how do we close the loop, right? And and that's where I think people tend to to back off, right? How do we let the network start becoming self-driving. I mean, we have self-driving cars, right? I mean, people drive their Teslas all over the place, right? We should be able to have self-driving networks, right? So so where do you see customers pushing back on that? Michael, so it almost uh, leads me to an important myth where, uh, you know, the belief is AI ops will auto-remediate everything and mm -hmm. no human in the loop. Uh, th this theme, you know, has been around from before AI was mainstream, you know, we, we all uh, have sort of strived to get to a point where a problem is determined and the system can fix itself. Um, is it possible? In many scenarios, yes, it is possible. Uh, there is always a, you know, fine balance between a network operator expecting it and if that knob has been provided, actually adopting it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the thing that can happen with a network versus a Tesla is um, in, in a network, there's a potential that you could, you know, get things wrong or the system could get things wrong. And the impact is very immediate to thousands of users, if not tens of thousands of users mm -hmm. or a whole campus can go offline. So that I think sort of holds back uh, operators from adopting fully automated remediation. But having mm -hmm. said that, will we get there? I'm pretty sure we will. But I still feel humans will always be in the loop. You you, you still will have to uh, allow it to auto-remediate. You still will have to have a cycle of, I sign off on the auto-remediate. I validate Correct. what you want to do. Um, but it will still take time simply because the impact radius can be very immediate and extremely vast. It is what probably holds back network operators from 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 leveraging it but will we get there yes absolutely you know i, so I is that I is that something you're going to integrate into um you know the remediation steps so that yes you know um i can it'll it'll prompt me and then i can actually you know put a change control number in it or something like that this way it goes into service now um and then i could keep track of, of these changes, right? Because, uh, you know, most of my customers are very, very change oriented, right? Yeah, and so, I think it's more of a cultural shift as well, right? It's, it's a mindset shift towards giving someone full control of your network, right? Mm -hmm. And obviously, even with different admins in the network, you won't, sometimes the super admin wants to keep a check and have some functionalities confined <clears throat> with them. And that's why we have before even getting into self-driving network, we want to introduce some features that make admins more comfortable. For example, our VCR, which is visibility control rollback feature, right? Which provides you visibility into what is being pushed. That's first mm. thing, even if AI is making a decision. Second is control, 
where you want to take the action. You want to approve the action before AI takes the action. And third is rollback, because if there's something that has happened and you want to just drastically roll it back immediately, we want to provide you those bells and whistles before giving you a full blown out self-driving network. And, and Sukrit, you can correct me here, going, yes, self-driving network is definitely going to happen in the future, but it has to happen gradually. First, we want to prepare mm -hmm. the market and the market admins to culturally accept AI by giving them some bits and pieces so they can try out and then give a full blown out. Question. Correct. Yeah, that's what I tell my customers is is pick the low hanging fruit, right? Um, things that aren't going to be as you know, in you know, destructive and things like that, and and try to try to automate some of that stuff. I mean, we we do it with with wireless, right? Wireless is always you know self healing, quite frankly. Um, SD WAN does it right. If you set up MOS scores, um, it's it's going to move that path to a, to a better thing. You don't even know what's happening, right? So, you know, I think that that's one of the challenges you're probably gonna be faced with is telling customers that we're kind of already doing it and it's just, we're just gonna add to it over time. I think that'd be good messaging for you. In, in essence, it all comes down to the level of trust you give to the AI engine, right? Um, uh, a trust comes into what you already mentioned is that the AI ops can uh, help us out with uh, identifying issues and proposing a solution, right? Um, and in that proposal, there comes a kind of magic, potentially. So how can we overcome that magic? How can we, as an engineer or an administrator, know where the uh, advice is coming from from the AI engine? Super. So th this is uh, this is one of those areas. Right? Difference between magic and black magic is we have no clue what black magic is doing versus magic. You could still see what happened, and um, there is this whole uh, theme in AI, and not just around networking, but around voice and data and text. The explainability of you know, you propose something to me, why did you propose it? And it is extremely sensitive from what I've learned over the past few years, network operators are very sensitive to it. You know, yes, you're you know, asking me to add one entry in the routing table. Can you please tell me why did you reach mm -hmm. that conclusion? Yeah. And if that conclusion is good, the, the operator will be the first person to adopt it and push it. But if we say, you know, it's black magic, we can't really tell you why, but trust us, that's never going to happen. Exactly. And, and just to, uh, sorry, uh, just to take over what Sukrit was also saying is admins are eventually navigating towards this magic, right? The reason why they are navigating towards this magic is there's so many devices, clients, and the new clients that are joining the network. It's not humanly possible to take and keep up to date with all the KPIs and attributes and technology development. So they, they definitely want to offload this to some extent. And that's where admins are then navigating towards trusting this magic because A, it has visibility, B, it's vast enough and faster enough to actually troubleshoot. And I, and I think the way we're doing work now has really affected that because, you know, it, it, we really used to be in, in domains, right? We used to, we used to all go to the office, um, we used to, be on campus, we used to have the data center. So there was a lot more control from, from the admins a couple of years ago when we were all together. Now that apps have moved off and, and workers have moved off, 
it's very, very difficult because now there's, it's just, you know, it's peer to peer because it used to be, you know, a hub, right? Uh, and it was very easy to control. And now it's just a complete mesh. And, and as you know, to your point, there's just so many different things and so many different connection points. It's literally, it's physically impossible to, to you know, or for a human to monitor that. You really said complete mesh. Yeah, um, it is. It really is. Um, yeah. You're right. You know, every, almost every home has now the potential to become mm -hmm. a micro uh, office. And, you know, AI has a lot, a lot of uh, potential impact in the security space as well. Yeah. You know, it's just scratching the surface, but you start to see flows, you start to take source pair destinations and application profiles. So, interestingly, even on this front, the DNS center provides uh, is, is a feature, feature called spoof detection, mm -hmm. you know, which is tracking a lot of uh, traffic and, you know, letting you know, look, I, I, you know, this, this device claims to be uh, an IP phone, but its traffic profile does not match anything we have seen in any IP phone before. Uh, and so maybe you should take a look at it. It, 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 it's saying it's an IP phone, but it doesn't behave like that. It's just starting to, and this There's is the even anomaly sort of, detection piece. Exactly. Right. And this is yeah. even more prevalent when you have a lot of IOT sort of devices, you know, they're starting to come in, in, in thousands, right? Within a corporate network, you have thermostats, HVAC monitors, a lot of these things uh, come with their own sort of issues of, you know, exploit points. So it's just starting to take off that the potential for applying AI to through the security space is huge. So uh, I wanted to switch it a little bit gear here and, uh through some buzzwords there. I mean, as, as if the AI itself is not a buzz, buzzword enough. So, you know, in, in today's cloud world and, you know, everything is, when you are offering in this tight market, something as a product, uh, as a vendor, then you have to also provide uh, comprehensive ability for the customers to have, to provide SDKs and API connections and everything, you know, they say API is the new English these days, right? Uh, so, how can we, that's a question that a friend of mine asked, how can we extend AI and AI ops from Cisco perspective by APIs and SDKs? Very interesting point. Uh, AI can both be used and misused. And depending on, you know, what the API does, it, it can always be, you know, a great value for somebody who's using it for great value, or it can almost be a liability for, you know, if you decide to not use those APIs. Uh, APIs and SDKs are always buildable, you know, and customers, uh, you know, ask for a lot of APIs. And Bovi, keep me honest, we have a very feature-rich API set, you know, business APIs on the DNS center, not with respect to AI yet. Um, customers have asked us to expose um, the insights as APIs, but so far, no customers, you know, sort of reached out and said, can, can I tweak your AI algorithm by, you know, by letting me push specific data using API so that, you know, I can sort of, um, influence what your AI algorithm is doing. I think that, you know, that time might come also, but so far not, you know, you know, we don't have customers who are interested in influencing our uh, AI algorithms. Yes, they do have asked saying, look, I can give you more context. Would you mind using it in your API, you know, in, in, in your AI algorithms? But so far, input to the AI algorithm is always a closed 
uh, environment because we don't want our algorithms to sort of drift away and do stuff we are not able to explain either. It's mm -hmm. right. That's a fair right. point. I think with with AI still developing, I, admins see Cisco as the expert to to do that portion of uh, AI engine magic, as we called it previously. And obviously, maybe in the future there might be an opportunity to customize this AI engine. But right now, the more you feed the data to this engine, the better are the results. So it's not just that specific network, right? It's it's a range of networks that Cisco has that, that's been training this um, sort of engine that we have. And as far as the insights are concerned, I think as Sukrit highlighted, we have we can export heat maps that we have. We have APIs to just get insights into how your network has been doing from the AI, the output from the AI that are being consumed as next steps by the admin. Does it be that, to be in all Cisco environment, or can I can I also add in other vendors equipment in the uh, in the DNA center and use the the features of AI ops? Yeah, Subrin, so right now it's an all Cisco environment, um, simply because a lot of the telemetry that Cisco devices generate, we have the ability to talk to the internal teams and understand. You know, if you take a simple example of uh, the interference that that uh, you know our radio sees we know exactly which you know data point that is we can talk to the the wireless hardware team and say look is are these averages are there max min you know what's the cadence because ml is so data intensive it's very important to have a very clear understanding of the data that that we are using it for so this sort of starts to get very difficult for third party vendors as well because we, we don't have the channel to understand exactly how that data is being generated yeah, and that's a that's a great point too because that's that's another thing because I've been I've been kind of been down this this track for the last three plus years with customers, and you know we we start out typically in the data center and we we kind of work our way out. I mean, from at least from my team, um, but but you know you get challenged when you have another OEM in there because you 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 lose that visibility, right? So if I have a Cisco. SD WAN, another OEM's campus, and then Cisco um, data center. Right, you're you're losing the visibility, um, and you're not going to get the full picture. So, you know, I really try to meet with at least when I meet with the data center team. I'm like, make sure when you talk to your you know cohorts, you know, in that are doing the WAN and doing the campus that you know this is the way you're going, right? And there's there's these tools, right? But they don't interop very well with with other right. OEMs, and that's a that's a big message. Um, if if customers really want to embrace this properly, um, I, my last question, and then uh, I'll uh, I, I promise that I'll shut up. Um, <laughs> don't don't. Oh, thanks. Uh, well, we talked we touched base on different aspects of um, Cisco DNA Center and AI capabilities of that, but. Is there any public cases study that showcases the Cisco DNA Center APR, AOPS capabilities in action that uh, the audience can go and uh, uh, read, read through it? That's a good point, Mir. You will find quite a few YouTube videos on DNA Center AI capabilities. Uh, you will also find some white papers that have been there for quite a few years um, outside as well. And we are working on some as we speak. Uh, 
uh, as well. So if you search for DNA Center AI sort of features, you will find white papers. Uh, some of them are, you know, sort of how customers were helped. You will also find more details uh, on, on YouTube as well on what some of the features are, how do they work. Um, so yeah, there, there's, you should be able to get to some content, definitely. Awesome. And and just to add to that, right, we have an initiative called Real Customers Reporting Their Stories, right? RCRR, in a way. That's there on Cisco.com. So we have real customers talking about some of the DNA features that they have been using, how it's actually helped them, what is the ROI, or how efficiency was increased in the network. And these are definitely customers from different domains and different industries. So that, that's also one good resource that we have. Where, where do you see ICE fitting in all of this, right? So, so again, I, I know the DNA Center really uses ICE. I mean, I've, I've worked a lot with DNA Center and ICE and things in that integration. So, you know, are you leveraging ICE also as well excellent. For, for AI? Excellent points, Michael. Inputs? Excellent point. So, yeah. uh, you know, DNA Center and ICE have an integration going. Um, yes. There is there is a uh, there's a product called AI Endpoint Analytics that ships mm -hmm. on the DNA Center, and it's really to add value to the DNA Center ICE integration. Uh, very specific to the application of AI, uh, devices in, in your network can either be a profiled device or an unprofiled mm -hmm. device. So yeah. profiled device, right. being, you know everything about it. Unprofiled is, you know, it's there. It's been there. I just don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. So one of the AI features that ships with AI endpoint analytics is to determine all your, you know, you know unprofiled devices, then group them and, you know, then finally tell you, look, you know, you have a thousand unprofiled devices, this hundred behaves one way, and I'm pretty sure that this is one class of device. The other 500 behave a certain way. I know this is a, another class of device, and here's the third group which behaves a certain way. So AI kicks in here and it creates these groups for you, which otherwise would have been a huge Excel spreadsheet, lots mm -hmm. of parameters you're manually checking in. But AI, again, here, short circuits this process, gives you these groups, and then you can label them whichever way you want. It could be a completely in-house custom-made device on a Raspberry Pi that you've, say, put in to do something, or it can be really another sort of vendor, which is not, you know, it's it's coming up as a uh, Intel chipset with a Linux OS, but you know exactly what they are. So that whole human-in-the-loop thing, you're still very, very much needed because you provide the expertise that yes, this group of 100 is a Raspberry Pi running this, I'm using it for a sensor, and AI will just help you get to that point, that it's, it's done and, that. And does that help you from a security standpoint? Yes, exactly. So you can now have, you know, your whole, uh, an ACL around it, you can create mm -hmm. VLAN specifically around it, you can track traffic, you know, in a different part of the network. So this is actually used very heavily um, in, you know, sort of the security aspect that, uh, you know, I want all my, you know, this new kind of device I found traffic to go only through a particular VLAN. I want to segment this traffic here. Cool. I guess the last question, potentially. Um, what do we need to do to enable AI on DNA Center? Is super it a, simple. A, yeah. Super simple. It's super simple. It's as easy as a checkbox that you need to enable once you have the DNA advantage license on DNA Center for your devices. And that's it. And so you're no, all so set. No additional cost. No additional cost, no additional device, nothing that's needed. It's great. So I don't need to, I don't even need to ask that question from chat GPT to show me how to enable it. Right. For sure. It's just so simple. I could do it. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and we try to keep it that way, you know, because many times onboarding to a cloud system has a lot of bells and whistles around it, a lot of configuration. No, you know, you really need a checkbox to say, yes, I agree and send my data to the cloud for all my AI ML insights. Maybe you need to configure a proxy and that's about it. Well, we covered a lot in today's discussion, mm -hmm. but Bouvier and Sucre, is there anything we didn't cover that you'd like to comment on before we close? Yes, so the goal really was, you know, hopefully we were able to bust some myths and you know, sort of get our audience on the you know, journey to becoming a super user or a power user of, of AI ops technologies on the DNA center. Yeah, it's taking one step closer to changing the some of the myths that admins had in their minds and kind of making them more culturally aware that it's safe, secure, go try out AI analytics and DNA center. It's super simple as well. I think that's the message to our listeners. If you actually wanna continue your learning on today's topic, uh, you can check out the resources we've provided in the show notes below. Uh, and of course, this is your weekly reminder. You can subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on your favorite streaming platform so that you receive alerts in our latest releases. So wherever you're listening to us, make sure to click on that subscribe or follow button now. Thank you for listening in. See you again next week.